Welcome to the Denver Diatribe, a weekly discussion of culture, news, and stuff as it pertains to Denver, Colorado, the most fascinating city between Omaha and Salt Lake. Each week on the show, we discuss three topics and dispense some love and hate. This week, October 18th, Dog Parks, Dick Jokes, and Dead Babies Edition. First up, we have a guided tour through the Dick Joke Jungle that is Denver's comedy scene with none other than local comedian Adam Caton Holland. Amendment 62, constitutional rights for zygotes. And what's up with the $11 million dog park on East Colfax? With me in the studio are Joel Warner, staff writer for Westward, and special guest Adam Caton Holland, local stand-up comedian and humorist, who recently headlined at Comedy Works Downtown. I'm Jared Jacang Mayer, staff writer for FaceEstate.com, filling in for moderator duties for John Dicker, who's busy building a secret skate ramp in a warehouse somewhere. Okay, let's get into it. Adam, hi, yes. how are you? Good. It feels like only yesterday I was here. In, in, in fact, I had that same feeling yeah. because, in fact, we uh, uh, did actually record this edition yesterday, but there was a horrendous uh, accident in, involving leaking gas and uh, an explosion, and so we, we lost that file. It sucks because there was a lot of gold that went on, I think, in that last podcast. And it's not going to come back this time, oh, guys, no. so oh, no, just no, no, be no. disappointed right now. Yeah, go ahead. So, Adam, you uh, recently headlined at Comedy Works downtown. It only took you, what? Four years to get there? <laughs> six years. Uh, it took me six years. I've been doing comedy six years, and, yeah, I just did my first headlining set at Comedy Works downtown. And how, how did that go? It went great. I almost sold it out. Almost. Uh, I'm disappointed in, in Diatribe listeners for not filling those last 15 to 20 seats. would have made a real statement. All 15 um, of our listeners. All 15, I was expecting the whole gang to show up. Well, diatribe listeners are usually always already filled up on cheese sticks and cheap beer. So. <laughs> right. They don't need to go to a comedy club for that. Um, no, it went great. It was very well received and well attended, and I got invited to do two more shows in January. So, so uh, we do want to talk to you a little bit about the local comedy scene, but we actually have a clip from uh, of you at Comedy Works. This wasn't the one that you headlined, but this was... Uh, but that uh, joke's been told a thousand times and will be told okay, one thousand well, times more. Okay, I'll let's give listen. it a noble death. I grew up in the fine state of Colorado, born and raised here. Yeah, thank you. But I went to college in Connecticut because I'm smart. Yeah. Now we wish we hadn't cheered for the first thing. What a deceitful trick. One of the first things I noticed when I got to school, I was driving from my airport to the college. There was a sign on the side of the road that said, No littering, $50 fine, enforced. Do you guys know what the fine for littering in Colorado is? $1,000, exactly, because we respect our nature. We don't want you to litter on it. I was like, $50? At that price, I can't afford not to litter. I go to Wendy's, I'm like, can I take your order, sir? I'm like, yeah, give me napkins and cups. It's all going out the window. Your state is adorable. <laughs> so one day I'm driving down the Merritt Parkway. I'm throwing crap out the window. I'm laughing. I'm loving life. You know, it's just as good as things get for me. This cop pulls me over. He's like, son, you got any idea why I pulled you over? I was like, I do, and I'll pay the fine, officer. He was like, yeah, right, you're going to jail. Apparently in Connecticut, they don't consider babies trash. Yeah, yeah. Now, here you thought it was a regional differences joke, but it turned into a baby-killing joke. But the baby is fictional, and you're overreacting. That's what you have in common with every woman I ever slept with in Connecticut. The baby is fictional, and you're overreacting. I don't care whose eyes it has. I'm not going on Maury. I know how this ends. 
I think that pretty much sums up Denver comedy. I mean, any questions? That's that's my final answer. I mean, that's right my there. question: Is uh, are dead babies as a subject kind of a regional Denver thing? No, but it's nice that you have a dead baby joke to tie into our later subject of dead babies. I think that's a brilliant move. It's an ongoing theme that we have here. Oh, that's a great theme. Tell me a little bit about what's going on here with local Denver comedy scene. It's kind of had its uh, jumping up in fits and starts, but is it uh, is it getting some national recognition? Where I think I think like anything, like the kind of local music scene, it, it's a matter of a couple guys getting some attention nationally. And as is anything with Denver, you know, once the national radar shines on us, we start to believe we have worth. So yeah, a couple guys like I'm doing pretty well. Getting out to New York and L.A. doing shows. I got some representation, which is like, you know, being signed as a band. Ben Roy is really making a name for himself out there right now. Ben Kronberg is still doing the same thing. And, you know, guys like even like Hippie Man was just on the Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson and Josh Blue, obviously. It just feels like there's a crop of comics who are working all the time, traveling all the time, and starting to get some attention. Like, I, I every time I go to New York or L.A. now, a lot of people will be like, what's up with Denver? Like, all these funny guys are coming from Denver. It's just a kind of cool vibe going on. Forget L.A. I hear that you're huge in Tucson. You go to Laughs in Tucson, and you drop my name, and you will get your second mozzarella stick free. you got to you got to pay for the first one, but the second one, delicious and free. I killed in Tucson. Other than the scene in Tucson, where else does the comedy scene seem to be? Uh, what do you mean? Like, popping up these days. I mean, there's always, they... like, there's some cities, like, Austin's always got some hot comics coming out of it. Chicago's always funny. Um, San Fran's always got some young guys coming up that are great, but it's I'm telling you, like Denver's now entering that conversation of where's the where the next guys coming out. It seems like they always come out in crops too. There always be like four or five comics that just come out of a scene at the same time. It seems like that's happening for Denver right now with uh, some of my friends. So you've been working on this for about five or six years. I yeah. mean, for people who aren't you know who aren't in the comedy scene, I mean, what does it take to really make it to the big time? I mean, you know, are there really just just overnight successes, or no, does it always take? You know, years and years of hard work. That's the kind of interesting thing about comedy is there's no direct path to success. It's like everyone does it in their own sort of way. And, I mean, obviously getting on a television show and having people recognize your face is just a boon for selling seats in comedy clubs. But uh, I think the cool thing about comedy is, like, you look at guys, it's got a long life. Like, like you don't have to be young and sexy to be in comedy like you do a, a musician. Like, a guy like Louis C.K. was, like, considered the top comic out there right now, or at least in top five. You look at his old stuff, and it's crap, and he'll admit it. He's like, oh, it's horrible. And it's just kind of interesting. You see these guys with, you know, 20 years in, all of a sudden he's really finding his voice and kicking ass. It's, it's encouraging because it seems like the more you do it, obviously the better you get. Now, things like uh, getting representation and going and hitting those traditional um, clubs out in New York and L.A., that's kind of the way that uh, traditionally comics would sort of move up through the rungs of the ladder. But what I'm wondering is with the, uh, you know, with the internet, with the influx of so much immediate technology. With podcasts. With oh, podcasts. Pod- oh, I mean, God. Is it, <laughs> is it a type, I mean, there, there, there was this moment where people are uh, going to be saying, you know, looking at technology, and I know that you and, and your crew doing a lot of, you know, online videos, things like that. Has the game fundamentally changed with being able to promote yourself that way, or at the end of the day, is it still just the same climbing the rungs of the ladder? Like I, th- I think it's changed somewhat. You still need to go, you go and play the Hollywood improv, and all of a sudden, 20 douchebags with business cards are coming up to you afterwards, and that'll always be that way. But I think it's, like, kind of interesting, like, in the 80s, there was that comedy boom which sort of ruined comedy. It's when cable television was coming into it, and every comic got a sitcom. And you know, next thing you know, it's people talking about airplanes and smashing fruit, and the medium's fucked because it was just 
too many guys had too many opportunities without being funny enough to deserve those opportunities. I feel like the opposite thing with, is going on right now with the internet, which is kind of like a renaissance because it's making comedy fans more savvy of what's out there and it's making comics more savvy of what's out there. And uh, you know, the, the funnier, better stuff seems to rise to the top of websites like funny or die or rooftop comedy. So it seems like both comedians and comics are becoming more discerning because they can look at everything that's out there and judge for themselves what they like. Do you see, though, uh, where you have a lot of the comics that have been on the scene for 20 years or something like that, some of these older uh, guys or women that have been around? No, there's no nope. women. <laughs> no, okay. Oh, okay. There's no funny I, women, I, okay. Well, the, so the, the, one, the one or two that are out there, but all of a sudden when they're kind of faced with things like funny or die or all this new technology and all these new ways to promote yourself, are they kind of illiterate in that way? Or they, do you find that they're struggling to understand how to nah, reach out like, to younger it's people? Like your, it's like does your dad – use the computer or not you know what i mean it's like my dad does he has a website he texts he figured it out and then they maintain relevant it's like if you want to stay relevant old comics don't fear the internet <laughs> so i feel like they have to they just have to adapt and if they don't they have management teams hopefully who can set up a little facebook page for them so what do you got going on uh, now what's coming up just this this is all i got just pod yeah just, just podcasts and i got four more podcasts today it's my angle no, I, I got. Uh, well, we are probably gonna have to re-record this anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's, free the tomorrow. Theme, that's the theme at the Denver Diatribe is record thrice to get it right once, right? Heard you had a run with uh, John Stewart recently, though. Yeah, I, I met. Uh, oh, I didn't meet John Stewart. I, I ran into <laughs> John Stewart near. I had a meeting with Comedy Central in New York City. Name drop and uh, oh, yeah. riding in the elevator. It was me and a Chinese food delivery guy, and then boom, doors open and walks John Stewart. Uh, he had a hat on and he had a cell phone out and he was kind of busy in that. And the Chinese food guy goes, uh, hey, you look just like Jon Stewart. And then Jon Stewart just kind of laughs. He's like, yeah, I do look like that guy. I do. And the guy's like, oh, that's crazy. And then he got out. The Chinese food delivery guy got out like a floor later. And then I said to Jon Stewart, I said, you don't look anything like Jon Stewart. And he uh, he laughed. So I got to chuckle out of Jon Stewart. So I've made it. Yeah. If only there's a way to frame that. <laughs> I know. Chuckle. Well, it's framed in my head. I'll tell you that. But yeah, so I, I don't know. Like I said, Meeting with Comedy Central, maybe on the new show featuring young comics coming out in like March, April, whenever they decide to make it. All right. Well, speaking of dead babies, this mm -hmm. is a perfect segue into our next topic, which is Amendment 62 on the uh, ballot that has, for a lot of people who have registered to vote and um, have opted to vote by mail, maybe it's already arrived at your house. But Amendment 62 is called the Personhood Amendment. It, it defines basically uh, redefines in the in the state constitution when what what an actual person is legally joel what's the big deal with this i'm all for people what's so bad about uh being positive for people i mean everyone should be positive for people but i guess mm. what the critics say about uh you know about this whole this whole uh, amendment is that it would define being a person from the beginning of life which means um uh, conception. Now, so most people say this is basically, you know, a backdoor way to make abortion illegal. So this, this isn't the first time that this has been about. This, this came up two years ago in 2008. And Adam, you wrote about that at that point, right? Yeah, I interviewed the girl, Christy, I keep calling her a girl. She was a young woman, uh, <laughs> 22 at the time, Christy Burton, who first authored this personhood amendment back then. And she was very, uh, let's just say, adept politically. 
and was very into just saying, I'm just trying to define what personhood means. I'm not trying to... So she wouldn't say it was abortion? No. She was like, as I wrote back then, she was a wind-up doll, and you pull her string, and she said, defining personhood, defining personhood, defining personhood, which for her was when the uh, sperm fertilized the egg. That apparently, according to this amendment, is when sentience comes into play. That's a human right then. No more killing of those things. Like, look who's talking, which is where actually kind of, you know... Right, it's a look who's talking. talking amendment. We're talking. Look who's talking. <laughs> it's called I think the that's the science that they're actually that's re- referencing in this thing. Now, I think this year they're being a little bit more upfront, saying, hey, you know, this would actually stop abortion. And it also seems like they have distanced themselves either on purpose or not from Christy Burton. And I wonder if one of the reasons for doing that is how she came up with this idea to begin with. I mean... What did she tell you about She it? told me that when she was 13 years old, she had some injury. She was sick in bed, and she just prayed to get better, to pray to Jesus. And Jesus told her it was her calling to defend defenseless people, and that meant babies. So she decided that she had to go out on a personal plight to defend all unborn children who couldn't defend themselves. And that science, you know, back in the Roe versus Wade days, had not caught up was not technologically advanced enough to really define what a person was, but now it was. Because, because now Look Who's Talking because since, Well, because of the groundbreaking work of Look Who's Talking, Look Who's Talking 2, now they know when life begins, so it's up to people like her to uh, to you know correct things. The funny thing is when I talked to her about science, I, uh, I just brought up uh, on a whim. I was like, well, how do you feel about evolution? And she was, uh, she was a creationist. So surprise, the, surprise. The, the same science that says life begins when the uh, sperm fertilizes the egg, according to this girl, also dictates that dinosaurs and humans roamed the earth together. Now, Joel, you've, but you've written about, you know, we're talking about the uh, amendment that failed back in, what, 2008? Right, which is like 48 is what it was called uh, back then. 48, and so Amendment 62, which is on the current ballot, is, is kind of a rehashing of that, but it's a, it's a little bit different. You know, I was trying to read uh, read it in my blue book today that I got, which defi- which lays out what all these uh, different amendments will do, but w- what do you know about what is different about this particular thing? From what I remember, I think the difference is just in the wording where I think before was something about kind of conception, right? And now it says just beginning of life. Right. So I think it's even more more inclusive. So, for example, theoretically, this could also certain types of contraception, you know, certain types of contraception that would actually kind of, kind of stop conception after. Absolutely, and it would ban some stem cell research, and it would, you know, if a girl's raped and impregnated, if this thing passes, she has to have that child. So I don't know. It's a pretty far-reaching amendment in addition to just being a bureaucratic nightmare. Now, I know it's not polling that well. You know, I don't think it has that much of a shot of, of passing this year. But what the supporters have said is that they're well aware that it probably won't pass this year. But their plan is to keep bringing it back year after year after year. And they've actually been pointing to the suffrage movement, which, I, you know, I think it was, you know, people put that on states for maybe 30 or 40 years before it actually passed and that's what they're pointing to, saying, hey, we aren't going to give up on this. Yeah, and look how disastrous that was. I mean, now <laughs> women are voting all over the place for all kinds of things. Yes. So I just don't think we can allow this type of amendment to pass because they're going to be, you know, they're just going to be crazy as women. Speak Wise words. Truth, brother. One interesting thing about this Amendment 62 that I was just thinking about is just how you mentioned that how far reaching this was and how it will actually cause just this legal nightmare in every single law. Because all of a sudden, every time person ends up in any sort of past law or or ordinance, all of a sudden people are going to have to go back and 
re-look at it in comparison to this one amendment. And right, the word person appears like over 50,000 times in Colorado laws and ordinances. So every single instance that the word person occurs, it can be reinterpreted and redefined on any number of legal cases. It's just like, it's such a pain in the ass. So even though there may not be anything necessarily funny about this amendment, there is something funny about uh, dead babies, as, as you showed earlier. Oh, yeah. What's so funny about dead babies? I don't know if anything is very funny about dead babies, Jared. You just set me up to fail right there. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. you got to be thinking on your toes if you're going to be playing Tucson again. Yeah, well, not with these shitty jokes. Okay, so anyway, let's move on to Moving our next on from topic. dead babies. Let's move on to our next topic, which has to do with dog parks. Yeah, now, Joel the- doesn't like dogs. Uh, no, no. See, I, I don't mean no to take you off dogs. I mean, I'm just – I have issue with kind of the dog frenzy that exists here in Denver, Colorado, from all these doggy daycares to – it seems to be like, you know, a new controversy over some type of dog park every week. And, I, you know, I know there's you know, there's kind of, you know, what controversy going on right now with this new dog park that costs like $11 million. Well, okay, so the background on, on that whole thing has to do with a uh, – a dog park that they that Parks and Rec came out and said, "Hey everybody, we're building a new dog park there at uh, across the street or near East High School." It's what what is that about? Uh, Colfax and York. Or Colfax and York. Yeah, exactly. It's a former site of the uh, church in the city, which has since been torn down. And so everyone got excited. Okay, we're getting a new dog park in this area. But then they say, "Hey, wait a minute! Wasn't there supposed to be a rec center being built on this dog park?" and Parks and Rec came back and said, oh, yeah, that, the rec center that you approved bond debt for the Better Denver Business Bonds. Well, it turns out we ran out of money for that. So uh, instead, you guys uh, won't be getting a rec center, but you will be getting a place to run, let your dogs roam uh, free. With so basically, instead of rec center for, like, underprivileged East High School children, it's a dog park for privileged white folk Yeah, is essentially exactly. what's going on. As a privileged white person, I'm pretty cool with that. And I have, you know, I went to East – so I realized the need for a rec center for those youths. But, you know, that was back in 1998. I'm 30 years old now, and I have a dog. So I think you know where daddy's voting. <laughs> well, okay, but that said, I I do admit that there is something inherently irritating about dog parks in that they may or may not symbolize our city's growing yuppification and all that entails. But uh, once we can sort of get beyond that and think about the facilities in and of themselves and how much a dog park costs versus something like a rec center or tennis courts or even just an open grass area that has to be watered and irrigated, I would argue that dog parks for the amount of people, the actual humans that bring their dogs there that utilize it on a day in and day out basis is probably one of the most efficient ways that uh, parks and rec departments in cities can have to give to people. I mean, especially when there is no money to build anything else, help take a piece of land, put up a fence around it, put up a few doggy poop bags, and there you go. You have a recreational facility. Now, they're saying this is just a temporary fix. I mean, they still plan on building the rec center there at yeah, some point? Eventually. But, I mean, if you look at the city of Denver's budget, and right, and this is after years and years and years of cutting and cutting and cutting, so to, to dig themselves out of that hole and eventually find money to be able to build this thing, what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to go back to the voters again and say, oh, yeah, give us more money, right? Yeah, well, let's pass another tax. Well, it's going to – I can see how it's I, – I like dog parks, but it's probably uniquely frustrating to voters to have this right next to City Park where there's already ground for dogs to run around and just be like, no, nah, we're not going to do – A lot of ground. A lot of Yeah. Pretty big. So I, I could see getting pissed off that a block away – they promised a rec center, and now it's going to be a dog park on one of the busiest intersections. That's going to be called 
Dead Dog Dog Park is what they're going to name that. Because, like, their dog gets out there, gone. So any real sickos out there <laughs> that are into killing dogs, keeping with the dead baby and dead cute thing theme of the show, I just wait this one out and hang out outside that park. All right, and so last week we threw out there uh, what would be a better name for the uh, piece of artwork that was attacked up in Loveland that showed uh, Jesus either getting a blowjob or uh, cunnilingus, as it were. And uh, Russ Esposito threw out Slurping on the Mount, which I think would be a, uh, a mighty fine. I saw that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Hang that in your uh, living room. Uh, then we asked, uh, I had had a little rant about the name Comfort Dental Amphitheater, which uh, overtook the beloved name of Fiddler's Green for Denver natives. And uh, I did like the suggestion that Evan Pollock had for com- to rename Comfort Dental Amphitheater, which is Uncle Fiddler's Green. <laughs> That's a good one. Suggested that we rename it the Anderson, Hemet and Levine Justice for Victims and Moderate Rocking for the Perpetrators Amphitheater. <laughs> That sounds like a reasonable concert experience. Yeah. I want to see Justin Bieber there. Okay, and so uh, let's do some loves and hates. Uh, Adam, you're up first. All right, I got a hate. I went to Governor's Park the other night to watch some baseball playoffs because, as you know, I'm fond of the national pastime. And uh, I get there before happy hour. I order a beer. All's fine. Then I order – it just, lo and behold, happy hour creeps up upon us. I order my next beer, and these are 20-ounce Stein hoists. And they bring out two. Just bam. I didn't ask for two. But whatever. I'm a glutton. I like to drink a lot. Two beers for the price of one is fantastic. But why they have to give you them at the same time is beyond me. And I think only frat boys and date rapists need to chug 40 ounces at a time. I say, if you're going to give me a second beer, let me drink that 20-ounce one and then bring me out a fresh one. Don't make me stare at a second 20-ounce beer. It just gets warm by the time I'm drinking it. There, I'm taking a stand. There you go. And so you didn't drink. You you took a stand. I drank it. I drank it. Oh, okay. I drank it. uh, I got sloppy. I I had sloppy game all night, and I went home alone because of it. You showed them, Adam. (laughs) I showed them (laughs) by not having any sex that night. Joel. Oh, I have some hate this week as well. I'm hitting on fancy pizza this week. There's a couple new pizza places in northwest Denver where I live. One's called uh, the Organic Pizza Company or Denver Organic Pizza Company. One's called... uh, Hops and pie, and we tried to order some pizza there last weekend, and basically the pizza they had all involved things like mission fig compote and uh, roasted roasted pheasant and um, like potato puree. Now, I'm as much of a fancy pizza fan as next guy, but the problem is, you know, until Denver successfully is able to, to recreate an actual like Brooklyn a version of, of a pizzeria, I just don't think we should have any more fancy pizza places. Do they really have pheasant? Yes. Wow. Oh, those are those are fighting words. Any response to that, Adam? Uh, I just think Joel is one of those East Coast guys who nothing tastes as good out here as it did when I was a wee boy on the East Coast. And that if you go to Famous Pizza, it's just as greasy and uh, delicious as a, as a slice you'll get in the Bronx. Have you ever had Famous Pizza when you weren't actually completely drunk off your ass? Joel, I've never been com- not completely drunk <laughs> off my ass. I rest my case, sir. Okay, well, uh, because I am an irritating uh, contrarian, I actually have some love this week. I would like to love on a series of videos, three of them that uh, the website CompleteColorado.com posted online, which were parodying uh, the three gubernatorial candidates, John Hickenlooper, uh, Tom Tancredo, and Dan Mays. Today we salute you, Dan Mays, Mr. I'm Gonna Be Somebody Someday. I'm Gonna Be Somebody Someday. For every man, success comes at a price. 
for you. That price was shaking an 80-year-old woman upside down by her ankles. I want a seat at the table. Goodness knows we'll never catch you riding a Schwinn in downtown Denver. But if we did, we know you'd reimburse yourself for the mileage. Major party candidate for governor of Colorado. That will look great on your job application at the Home Depot. The light bulbs are on aisle well, there we go. I can't wait to uh, someday meet Dan Mays at Home Depot and have him help me pick out some new tile. And anyway, I think we do actually have a, a hate from John Dicker that uh, he had to do. So here's John. My hate this week is on the non-story that is Mike Rosen's uh, remarks about the Lower Manhattan Mosque and David Sirota's uh, reaction to it. What Rosen said was, I think they should be allowed to build it following the hijacking of an Iranian plane right into that building and blow it to smithereens. This was at a forum with, uh, at, at Comedy Works South uh, with Peter Boyles, uh, David Sirota, and Mike Rosen on a panel. Rosen, who told you you were capable of humor, much less biting irony, which he later claimed was the nature of his remark? Sirota, why did you elevate this guy to national prominence by blogging about it on the Huffington Post? If you read Rosen's column, you know he loves nothing more than to fancy himself uh, the most hated man of the imaginary left-wing pitchfork mob. And now he has such a great opportunity because Keith Olbermann ran with your comments and, and put Rosen as the worst person in the world. If Rosen was the leader of the conservative movement or a prominent Tea Party activist or an elected official, I could totally understand. But this is just stupid. So both of you, shut up. All right. And that is all the uh, time we have for today. Adam, thanks for coming by. Will you come back again uh, soon? Yeah, probably tomorrow to re-record this. Okay. We'll, we'll be rehashing the same dead baby jokes, no <laughs> doubt. So keep, <laughs> keep them in mind. I'm always writing, Jared. All right. Well, you've been listening to the Denver Diatribe uh, for Adam Caton Holland, uh, Joel Warner, and the uh, out-of-studio John Dicker. We are out. I think the best part about having sex with Mary-Kate and or Ashley Olsen wouldn't be the sex, though that would be amazing. All skeletal and squirmy, it'd be hot. It'd be that moment after when you're done, you know? You roll over and you're like, oh my God, Mary-Kate or Ashley Olsen, I can't tell the difference. That was amazing for me. Was that good for you? She looks you right in the eyes. She's glistening. She just goes, you got it, dude. Cut it out, Mary Kay. Let's get married. In love with you. It's fun after that joke to look into the crowd at the blank stares of a generation gap. I have a purebred Chesapeake Bay Retriever. Her name is Annabelle Lee. Mm-hmm. Racist also likes my dog. That's weird. Strange, but all right. I'm starting to like you a little more, pal. I recently took Annabelle Lee to Puppy Kindergarten, which took place on a Saturday morning at 8.30 a.m. So it's a bunch of 30-something yuppie couples and me hung over with my sheet bitch, right? Trying to get through it the best I can, but the instructor starts out, she's like, Hey, guys, welcome to Puppy Kindergarten. We're going to start out with the cum command. And so I'm like, yeah, start out with the cum. Get a load of this one, everyone, huh? I look around, no one else is laughing, I'm a child, like, all right, man, game face, get through this. 
But she just kept cracking me up. She's like, guys, it's really important. I want to lay some ground rules here. Never use cum as a punishment. She's like, what? I've been doing it wrong my whole life. I only use cum as a punishment. Game face, you were five years old. But the last one really got me. She's like, guys, we're going to start out easy. We're going to start with six-foot cums. I was like, that's easy? I think I'm in the wrong class. I got two feet once, but that was just because I sneezed. I hate puppet kindergarten. Hey, you guys, enjoy Moment of Doubt. Thanks a lot, everyone.